Open your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 1. We began a few weeks ago in this book and come this morning to chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Hear now God's Word. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness... We lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. As I look at this passage and study it with you, uh, I think God's given us this revelation to let us see the importance of owning our own sin, our need to deal with sin and to do so rightly. I, I thought about our last two, three, four presidents that we've had in America. It seems like we've got a... um, a cycle of presidents that Republican or Democrat doesn't matter that in the media are known for lying they're known for immorality sexual improprieties they're known for being manipulators they're known for exaggerating um, others things we know that about them and yet as I thought I said the media seems to be fine with it, seems to be our culture. But I thought, have we ever had one of them recently kind of come forward and say, you know, what has been said about me is true. It's true, I own it. It's true, I lied. It's true, I had an immoral relationship. It's true, I was manipulating. It's true, it was a financial deal that shouldn't have been done. Do, do we hear them owning it, or does it seem more appropriate in our culture just to conceal it, just to try to spin it a different way so that maybe everyone just seems to forget? We need a passage like this because it brings us back to reality. Kind of a commentary on that scenario. Look at Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. Just one little quick verse, and then we'll get back to 1 John. Proverbs 28, verse 13. God's Word says this, Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain Mercy. There it is in a nutshell, isn't it? Are you a concealer of sin? Like many in our culture, trying to conceal it, cover it. Or are you a confessor? Do you confess your sin is sin? It's an offense against God and man. Do you own it and deal with it according to God's word? 1 John 1, 5-10 shows us how to deal with it. It presents to us 
uh, what I think are two categories, those who are either concealing or those who are confessing um, their sin, those who confront it and deal with it. First of all, let's look at the concealers and then we'll look at the confessors as we see both categories in this passage. First of all, the concealers. Um, uh, this passage is connected to the previous four verses, obviously. It says, this is the message, verse 5, that we've heard from him, proclaimed to you, God is light. Well, what was he just talking about? He was talking about fellowshipping with God because Christ has come into the world. We now have fellowship with him through Christ. And our fellowship is also with one another. He says, now, all of this is happening because God is a God of light. And he presents to us a dilemma right off the bat. In him, there's no darkness at all. Well, that's a dilemma. How can we who are dark sinners fellowship? He's been talking about fellowship. How can we fellowship with one who is light and has no darkness? I mean, immediately you begin to say, well, I'm, in, I'm, not, I'm not compatible for that kind of fellowship because I know I'm a sinner and I know I have a dark soul and in him there's light and no darkness. So the dilemma is presented to us immediately. You have contrasting symbols. Light, obviously a symbol of purity, holiness, uh, no sin. Darkness, the symbol of the opposite. Sin and uh, immorality and everything that goes with that. How can we who are sinners dwell in the presence of him who has nothing but light? In him who there is no darkness. Well... Maybe we could cover it up. Maybe we could cover up the sin. And that's the way the passage presents itself. That maybe you could just cover it up. Look at verse 6. If we say we have this fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. So if you cover it up and say, well, no, my sin's not a big deal. I have fellowship. Said, You're lying. So we try to cover it up by just saying the right words. Going through the motions. Can we do that and get this fellowship? Verse 8, another cover-up. If we say we have no sin, well, let's just say we're basically good. We, we don't have sin. Have no sin. He says, well, you would be deceiving your own selves. Truth's not in you. See, that cover-up doesn't work. To grant you the fellowship, God says, he brings as the author of light. And then verse 10, one more. If we say uh, we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if, if you want to say that perhaps the most blatant, uh, well, yes, sin's in me, but I, I just don't do it. I don't yield to it. I, I don't sin. Well, that cover up doesn't create fellowship either. Uh, it's again... Um, deceptive. You're a liar. So the cover-up doesn't work. So we still have this dilemma. How do we who are dark in sin fellowship with God, who's holy, without sin, who's pure light? Uh, concealing um, our situation uh, is the way we proceed. I want to go through each of those three things quickly. If we say that, if we say that, if we say that. Ways we seek to deal with the dilemma. Because I find I want to go there. Um, I find other people going there all the time. Concealing 
the true relationship we have with God. So verse 6, again, says, If we say we have fellowship, while, while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. We call it hypocrites. God calls it being a liar. God calls it clearly. You're not practicing the truth. Um, you're not living it. Uh, you have no fellowship with God. I was called in uh, to counsel a couple while in seminary uh, who were both accusing the other of abuse. So she says he's an abuser. He says she's an abuser. So I said, well, okay. Let's take you both one at a time. Let me do some investigation. So I talked to the wife first, and I said, okay, um, do you ever pinch your husband? Mm -mm. Do you ever slap him? No. Do you ever swat at him? No. Do you ever say harsh words? Do you seek to manipulate him to get him to do something? No, don't do that. Do you ever bring him down in front of the kids? Do you ever speak words that are negative about him? No, I don't do that. I just pretty much quiet, milquetoast kind of person that sits here and prays. And I said, okay, I'm not seeing a lot of abuse here. Uh, those things are abuse. Some women don't see that when they pinch and slap and swat and just speak words of disrespect that that's abusing. But she didn't have those. I said, okay, let's move to the husband. So I moved to the husband and did the same kind of investigation. You know, do you ever pinch? Do you ever push? Do you ever slap? Do you ever speak harsh words? Do you ever speak disrespectful? You know, any of those things. And it was check, check, check. Yes, 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 yes. I do, I do those things. I said, okay. Well, those things are sin. And I explained that to him and worked through that. I said, you need to repent. You need to turn from that sin. And um, we need to move on a path of love. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, why are you not going to do that? I said, I don't want to do that. I said, okay. You don't want to do it? He said, no, I don't want to do it. I said, have you ever wanted to do it? No, I don't want to do it. And I said, well, then you're a liar. When you got married, you told your wife you were a Christian, you're following Christ. You lied. You're not a Christian. You're not following Christ. When you became a deacon in your church, you told your church you were a Christian and would follow Christ. You're a liar. You don't want to follow Christ. I said... You don't have, apparently, you don't have the gift of, of repentance. You don't have the ability to turn from sin and walk in righteousness. You're lying and you do not practice the truth. 1 John 1, 6. That's where you are. That's where he was. But a lot of people are in that category and say, uh, but I fellowship with God. No, you don't. You do not. You're a liar, and you do not practice the truth. We try to cover it up, but God discloses it. When the light shows up, when the Word of God really shows up, it's, it's discovered, and you will not be able to continue to hide it. So you must admit, liar and one who does not practice the truth. Uh, Christian conduct is consistent with the Word of God. 
Second way we conceal is we just say no sin. Verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Uh, interesting, doesn't call this person a liar, a non-practicer of the truth. He calls this person a deceiver. Sounds like Satan. This one's a deceiver, but this person is deceiving themselves, tricking their own minds. They actually believe they're fellowshipping with God. They're not just trying to cover it up. They actually believe it. They've tricked their minds in such a way that they don't think sin's an issue, that sin's even involved in the matter. Um, I found over and over that this is the case of people who are constantly trying to do child rearing, child training wrongly. Give you an example. Suppose a um, uh, real case. Uh, suppose um, little Johnny. Not picking on any of those of you who are John. Okay, it's just when you get into education, Johnny can't read. Johnny can't write. You know. So little Johnny goes to school, and after lunch, he comes back to classroom, and uh, he's got to pass Mary's desk. And as he passes Mary's desk, anything that's on it, he shoves it in the floor, spits at her, kicks her chair, and walks back to his chair. Does this repeatedly. Teacher tries to correct it. Little Johnny doesn't seem to be corrected. So she goes to the next level. She calls the parents and has a parent meeting. And the teacher says, this is what Johnny's doing. The parents said, what? You don't see what's going on here? And the teacher says, what do you mean? So it's not Johnny's fault. It's happening every day right after lunch. You're obviously feeding him sugar or food coloring is in the food. Something's happening that's agitating Johnny. It's not Johnny's fault. It's the lunchroom's fault or the dietitian's fault or the school's fault, but it's not Johnny's fault. There is no sin in Johnny. Teacher says, hmm, didn't think about it that way. So the parents are no help. Teacher, still no help. So the teacher says, I'll take it to the administration. So she goes to the administration and says the story, says what the parents say. The administrator says, oh, I don't know what to do here. I'll give you a counselor. So the counselor gets involved in the situation as well. And as the counselor gets involved in the situation, says, oh, okay. Well, I've studied Johnny surveyed Johnny, investigated, interviewed Johnny, and I've determined Johnny has RDD. I made that one up. What is RDD? Righteousness Deficit Disorder. <laughs> Don't we all have that? The counselor is saying, not Johnny's fault, not the parent's fault, not the teacher's fault. Everybody's saying no sin. But nobody's walking in the light. Nobody's dealing with the issue. The issue is sin. But we come up with ways, either disorders, diseases, disabilities, blaming our diet, blaming our environment, 
blaming our culture, blaming someone to cover our sin. We try to conceal it. We try to cover it. And in one other way, verse 10, if we say we have not sin. Now, the uh, verb here is in the aorist tense, and that's what kind of clued me into this. An aorist tense verb in the Greek means once in a time, past, something happened, but it has this continuing, ongoing effect. So if we say we have not sinned, so we didn't sin in the beginning and we're not sinning now. It's just because of what happened then, it continues now. And that's the philosophy many people have, and that is that we're born basically good and we stay basically good. We're not born in sin, we're born basically good. And that basic goodness of man continues to this day. And that's perhaps the most prevalent philosophy in our world, that mankind's basically good and will be good. You've just got to bring the good out. And that's the cover-up that's going on in verse 10. We say we have not done that. We've not sinned. We're basically good. God says, well, then you make God a liar. And his word's not in us. It's the most blatant of cover-ups. It's because you're denying the author of creation who himself says you have been born in sin and you're totally depraved and you're without hope except you be forgiven through Christ. Well, the descriptions are before us attempting to cover up really, uh, verse 10, just God's rule and authority over us. God declares that we're all sinful. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 and 4 talks about our sin and our need to be made alive together with Christ. Um, what if we don't conceal our sin? Let's go there. What if we don't conceal it like the world? What if we confess it? Two categories, remember? Everyone in this room, you're in one of those categories. You're either somebody who's seeking to cover up, conceal your sin. Or the other option is you could confess it. You could bring it out in the open. You could bring it into the light and not uh, and trust the light to deal with you. Well, let's look at that. Verse 7. Twice in this passage it brings that up. But if we walk in the light, so if we walk into the light instead of just trying to stay in the darkness and cover it in the darkness, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, this is... We have fellowship. See, we're getting back to the theme of fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. And I think the one another there, we tend to think one another is you and me. But I think the context, I think that's implied, but secondarily, I think the primary context, you have fellowship with one another, God in us. Because God's the one in the light. And God's the one that was introduced to us, um, verses 3 and 4, that we can have fellowship with Him, and then secondarily, we have fellowship with one another. So he said, if we walk into the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship with God. Why? And here's the answer. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So instead of the sin being covered up by us, it's cleansed by Christ. Enabling us to stay in the light and fellowship with God. 
And then truly our fellowship is with others who are also in the light. That's how it works out. But it begins with disposition as sin confessors. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him. We confess our sin. We walk into that. Um, uh, need to say something. There's, there's a way to mess, mess this up. Verse 7 is a, seems to be a conditional s- sentence, right? The word if. If we walk in the light. I didn't read it that way. Because that's not the, the stronger emphasis. And some people, if you read verse 7 as though it was the only thing here, you would be making it a conditional sentence. If I do something, if I walk in the light, then I will get fellowship with God. So my actions produce fellowship with God. But that's not what it's saying. It's tied tightly to verse 6, verse 5, verse 4. Stay with the context. What he's saying, God's in the light. If I'm in that fellowship with God, walking in the light, if, if, if that is all true, as He is in the light, God is, then I, I have fellowship. Yes, but who's doing the work? Jesus. The end of the verse. The blood of Jesus is what's cleansing me of sin so that I'm in the light to begin with. It's not my actions that cleanse my sin. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses my sin. So if you don't want you to get that wrong and get legalistic, that I've got to do something to get into the sin. No, what you've got to do, get into the light, excuse me. Um, what you've got to do is confess sin. Let Jesus deal with it. Let the blood of Christ cleanse you. You know, we've got symbols of light and darkness, the sin... The, the symbol of the blood of Christ washing us, removing every dirt, every stain, every sin, cleansing us, that God has used the sacrifice of Christ, the blood being a symbol of His sacrifice, His life, using His perfect righteousness to somehow wash over us and cleanse us from sin. Then we have Fellowship. Let me put it to you in another way. Sometimes I ask people, do you sin because of something you do or because of who you are? And the answer is because of who you are. You see, we sin because by nature we are sinners. Sinners got to sin. Haters got to hate. Liars got to lie. Doubters got to doubt. You know? It's our nature. We sin because of who we are. We are sinners. If you only sin because of what you did, you could quit doing it, right? Cleanse your sin. But we sin because of who we are. We are born in sin. By nature, we sin. We are sinners by nature, as are all who are born into this world. And... We need to understand that. Now, let me go the other way. Because that's true, this is true. Do we do righteous acts because of what we want to do or because of who we are? And the answer is the same. I do righteous acts because of who I am. I am righteous. You say, well, how did that happen? The blood of Jesus cleansed me 
from my sin. And he gave me his righteousness because I am in Christ, because he is my righteousness. I now can do righteous acts. I do righteous acts because of who I am. One who's been washed by the blood of Christ. And when you get that, you can quit covering up your sin. Because your sin just messes it up. Your sin needs to be cleansed and washed, not covered up by your works. And as Christ cleanses you from your sin, He gives you His righteousness, enabling us to walk in the light. I enjoy the light because I have a new nature in Christ that cleanses me from all sin. You, you know the passage, 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, 17. Behold, I am a new creation. All things are new. All things pass away. I am new in Christ. Uh, Christ cleanses me from all my sins. Uh, I like that he put this in the present tense. That the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses. Present tense. It's just a reminder we are not perfect. We still sin. We still need cleansing regularly, daily. I need it. You need it. But Jesus continually cleanses me. He has cleansed me once and for all. He's cleansing me day by day. He will one day completely make me a vessel in the house of God without spot or blemish, with no sin at all. That's what Christ, through his blood, is doing for us. So we need to confess our sin. We need to see uh, sin is, confessing our sin is a condition for our cleansing, though. We need to confess it. Look at Hebrews uh, 10, verse 14. Hebrews 10, verse 14. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There's your verse. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, one sacrifice, it is perfecting us for all time. His blood, his sacrifice is cleansing us from all our sins. You're either in fellowship with God or outside of fellowship with God. The only way you're in fellowship with God is if the blood of Christ is cleansing you. You're trusting Christ on a day-in, day-out basis to deal with your sin. Now, let me get to the last one, verse 9. So, our position is, is one of a sin confessor. We confess our sin our practice is the same. We practice confessing our sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to be ever, always confessing sin, not concealing it. Um, what does God do here? Does He, con um, does he forgive sins or does He forgive people? Don't miss it. What's he doing? He says, verse 9, If we confess, 
He's faithful and just to forgive our sins or to forgive us. He forgives us our sins. We are the ones who are forgiven. He's not just pushing sin out the door. He's forgiving us, individuals. Sin still exists. It's all in the world, and it's in us. He forgives us. Christ died on the cross for His people. And He forgives His people. He forgives us of our sin. How does He do that? He's the mediator. Look at Romans 3. So you have a verse. Romans 3, 24 through 26. Verse 23, the popular verse, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It gets this, 24 through 26. And are justified. So we're sinners. We're justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put, put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He has passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So believe that Christ was on the cross to take all the wrath of God, that's propitiation, to take the wrath that we deserved for our sin, to take it upon himself, to be slaughtered as a sacrifice, though he was righteous and without sin. And then to exchange his righteousness for our sin, taking our sin upon himself, giving us his righteousness. There's only one mediator, the Bible says, between God and man. That's Christ Jesus. Only Christ took God's wrath. Only Christ took our sin upon himself. It's a gift. Only Christ gives back in exchange for your sin and mine. That's the only thing we bring to the table is sin. So we offer Christ our sin he says, well, let me in exchange offer you a gift of righteousness. And as he gives us that righteousness, then we are able to walk in the light. Because we've been made righteous in him. So it would be crazy not to confess your sin. If you are faithful, 1 John 1, 9, if we are faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to apply the blood of Christ and grant to us the righteousness of Christ which we get by faith, not by our works. Just trusting Christ. Christ does all the work. We trust Christ to apply that to us so that we can have consistent fellowship with God. When Patty and I bought our first house uh, down when we were going to seminary, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. We bought an older home, and those of you who've bought older homes, you, you've probably had this uh, scenario. We, did, we thought we you know, had a great house, but when we got in, got moving in, we found it was infested with roaches. And you've been there. 
It's not fun. We sprayed and sprayed and sprayed and sprayed and sprayed to, to kill. We finally killed the, the roaches by the time we moved out. We got them. But for weeks, we had to deal with those roaches. And I'm not talking about just the little roaches. We had those. But we also had the palmetto bugs, you know. And down in Mississippi, you put a saddle on some of those and ride them. Uh, they were huge. One of the things we realized is that roaches are intolerant to the light. They don't, by nature, they don't like light. So if uh, we came into the kitchen especially early in the morning or in the middle of the night and hit the light switch, the, the roaches are there and they begin to scurry to a dark hole. They want to get out of the light. They, they don't fellowship in light well. They don't like it. They move on. I want to fellowship in the light. It brings me great comfort to know there will be no roaches in the presence of God. Because he is only light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Not even a little hole you can scurry into. Nothing. No place where you can go where your sin will not be uncovered in the presence of God. But it also gives me great joy to know that through confessing my sin, I walk in the light. What a joy it is to come into a clean room, fully lit, without a roach, without any sin of any kind, and to walk and enjoy its beauty and its brilliance. Evaluate. Are you looking for a hole to hide a lot of times? By nature, you still are covering your sin. Do you wake up Sunday mornings and long for the courts of the Lord? Because I, I long for the courts. Lord, I want to be in your presence. I want to walk in the light. When we had this church growth movement where people were telling church pastors like myself, the way to get numbers, the way to get people in church, you've got to make it comfortable for the unbeliever. And I said, no, 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 you can't do that. Because God never allows the unbeliever comfort. He is light. In Him there is no darkness. When I was an unbeliever, I was uncomfortable with that. Why don't you go to church? I'm uncomfortable in church. Because I'm, it, they expose my sin. I want some place to just go and get away from that. But those who are truly not covering sin are those who are walking in the light and wanting to be in the light. So I beg you, like John, own your sin. Own it. If you are a sinner, own it and confess it and trust Christ alone to cleanse you from all your sin. For when he cleanses you, he gives you the nature of righteousness and you can enjoy the beauty and the cleansing of light and holiness in his presence.
as we take the Lord's Supper this morning. Look again at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship. And as I told you, it's with God first, with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The Lord's Supper is here to remind us his body and his blood cleanses us, takes our sin so we can have fellowship. When you take this bread into your mouth, when you take the cup and drink the wine, you are proclaiming, the scripture says, you're proclaiming Christ died for you. He was your substitute. You're proclaiming you have fellowship in the light. I plead with you, don't lie about that. It's not to your good or anyone's. Proclaim truthfully. You have fellowship with him or don't take the meal. Sit, pray, ask God, Lord, why am I covering my sin when Christ is made available to me? Why don't I just trust Christ that I could be cleansed from my sin? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sin exposure. Thank you for your word, your truth, which is light. Lord, deal with us each right where we are. Some of us have the need to quit lying, quit covering sin, quit deceiving ourselves, tricking our own minds to believe we're basically good and it's no big deal. Father, let us feel the power and touch of your spirit to convict us of sin, of the righteous gift of Christ that's being offered. And let us turn from sin and embrace Christ by faith, that we might take and remember the glorious sacrifice given for us in Christ. Bless the taking of this meal now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.